Great job. I just want you to know, a little confession. Man, I just hadn't been able to take my eyes off the keyboard player today. I want you to know that. <laughs> Becky and I, in a few weeks, are going to be married 37 years. Can you believe that? 37? And uh, I really was uh, kind of excited about that uh, until I took my mom and dad out to eat Friday night. They had their 60th wedding anniversary, so that kind of like ran me in the ground. But one of the things Becky and I have talked about is we've had all kinds of guests in our home over 37 years or so. I mean, all kinds of people. We, in New Mexico one time, were part of a a, a, a governor's event. There's been important people. Uh, there's been great missionaries that we've been able to have in our home and keep from time to time. And, you know, uh, we were just uh, kind of reflecting. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think we could really break down uh, all the guests that we've ever had in two categories. And I, I want you to know I'm speaking through the years, not people recently, but through the years, we kind of look back, and the, the first category I think we kind of agreed on is there uh, are, are those that we would just call the can't stay guests. Have you ever had any of those? Somebody comes to your home, and the first thing they say when they come in is, we, we can't stay or we can't stay long. Any of you ever had that happen at your house? Come on. Anybody ever told you that? Now we can't stay. We're not going to stay. We know you got COVID, so we're not staying. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, and, and, and to be transparent, I've been there. I mean, got four places to be. I just need to make an appearance. Or you want to demonstrate your friendship, but it's really not necessary for you to be there three hours that night. And so you just kind of come in and you just lay the groundwork and you say, hey, can't stay. Now, the other category that Becky and I've talked about and kind of reflected on is those that will not leave. How many have ever been there? Can I see your hands? Some of you are liars this morning, and that's maybe we need to change uh, to Proverbs and talk about the lie, okay, uh, and expose these things for what they are. But you know, there, there are those individuals that, uh, well, I mean, it gets to be nine o'clock at night, nine thirty, ten o'clock, and uh, Becky knows now. I just get up and say, hey, and sometimes I don't even say that. I just kind of disappear and I go to bed. And uh, Becky said, you just left me out there. Hey, look, man, I got to have sleep. You know what I'm saying? But typically, I'll try to be a little nicer than that. And so uh, I may uh, stretch and say, well, it's going to be a big day tomorrow. And uh, we, gosh, I was thinking, man, we had a couple of uh, students that, that used to hang out. Man, they'd stay up all hours of the night. And, you know, so I'd give them all kinds of clues, but they were not clued in. You know what I'm saying? 1030, 11, whatever. Finally, look, dude, you got to go home. You got to leave. You know, you don't want to have to get to that kind of point. But uh, one of the things that we want to talk about in this new series, one thing that's just been on my heart is this concept of just being genuine and real. There's just so much superficial stuff and not so much at Oakland Heights Baptist Church, and I'm sure we've got our share of that. But, um, man, I, I'm just burdened about people's fellowship, their relationship, and their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you ever stop to think about it, I think so many of us are in this category of the can't-stay relationship with Jesus. It's just like some of you right now. I mean, let's be transparent. You're like, how long is this dude going to speak? How long is he going to talk? You've already kind of checked out. 
I mean, you're on to Pat Mahomes and you're thinking about the, the Chiefs this afternoon and thinking about the wash and work tomorrow morning and where we're going to have lunch. I mean, basically what you said, not to me, I'm okay with it, but what you kind of said to the Lord is, hey, came to church today but can't really stay. Some of you in your devotional life are there. It's a little hit or miss, but even when you're hit, it's kind of like, hey, I got to get on the treadmill. I got to get this workout. Lord, I just want you to know I'm going to do this Oswald Chambers thing. I'm going to read it, but can't stay. Really can't stay today. It's a really busy day today. And you do understand, don't you, that when you go and you look at the totality of this text, the biblical text, that's one thing that from the very beginning, God begins to give us these clues. I don't know how much more bolden that God needs to be when he tells our early forefathers in the faith, hey, don't have any idols before me. I mean, the sports thing, don't you put that before me. Hey, and, and by the way, no other gods before me. If you really want to get me stirred up, God says, don't bring to me a lifestyle that you really can't stay. What God desires from us is that second category. God, we just don't want to leave. I mean, God, every time we come into your presence, we walk away with this incredible, innate, special glow about us where you've poured into our lives and we love being with you. We know it's late. We know it's early. But God, we're here today to spend time with you because we love being with you. And it's not just a benefit spiritually, it's that we love you and without your relationship with us, we would not have eternal life. We wouldn't have this growing dynamic relationship. And when I look around, I just don't see many people that have a real deal kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus. You say, well, pastor, because you're a pastor, are you able to judge? Do you, I mean, do you know? And it's like, well, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit this morning here in just a moment from our text. But, you know, you and I have the uncanny, uncanny ability through the Holy Spirit to spot those moments when we see somebody, hey, man, that, man, that's, a, man that's an authentic person right there. I mean, that's a Jesus person right there. We see that and we sense that, but there's not many of those people around us. And so today I just want to take you and over the next several weeks to some very familiar passages. We're not going to be off in some obscure place. I'm going to take you back to some of those bedrock moments in the Bible. And my prayer is that when we get through over these next several weeks that there won't be a single person in any of our weekend services that are not able to identify, hey, is what I have spiritually, is it the real deal? Now, I'm telling you, if it's the real deal, there'll be fruit. If there's no fruit, you need to be concerned today. But let's grab our Bibles. We're going to begin reading in a passage again that you know very well, but let's read it as if it's brand new and fresh to us today. John chapter 15, I'm going to begin reading in just a moment in verse number 1. And what is it about when we are able to be with our Lord? And what does it mean to be connected to him? And he uses this, such a simple premise. 
It's a premise that's scattered out throughout the Bible. It's this vine concept. And it's, and it's one maybe that we know so well, maybe not as well as Psalm 23 or some things about certain amazing grace of God, but certainly right up there with them. It's these first seven or eight verses that just talk so very directly about the real deal relationship and being connected. And that's what I really want you to be able to answer when you walk out of here today. What is your connectivity at this moment? Are you a can't stay kind of follower right now? It's kind of like I wanted just a little dab of Jesus, just a little portion of him, just a little morsel, but really can't stay. I got other things going. Or are you one of those individuals that, hey, I'm not leaving kind of followers. Every time I'm around you, Lord, every single time my life is changed, my heart yearns to be more like you. And, and Lord, I just want to be like you. These verses speak to that. Look in verse number one, John chapter, uh, chapter 15. I am the true vine. I'm going to be reading from the NIV today. And my father is the gardener. Now, some of you have this translation, the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Look in verse 3. You have already, uh, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain or abide in me, and I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must abide. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Look in verse 5. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that just aggravates East Texas folks to no end. To tell, them, to, to tell Bubbaville you can't do anything. I mean, I, I've, I've seen this week more Confederate flags than I have in the last 20 years. Seems to be a new thing. It's kind of like, hey, guys, put these flags in the back of their truck. And I'm not saying good or bad. I'm not into that. I'm not here politically. It's just, you know, it's just, you know sometimes I feel like, hey, hey, man, we're going to put this in your face right here. Beep. Here it is, baby. Tell me I can't carry a Confederate flag. Tell me I can't put a Trump sticker on, you know. I mean, there is the obstinate East Texas, Bubbaville mentality. Southern Arkansas, marry your cousin kind of folks. You know what I'm saying? There it is. You tell us we can't do something, <laughs> you get some Texans upset. You know what I'm saying? I had some people in the grocery store line the other day, about eight deep. The conversation in front of me was one guy trying to explain to the other, Texas can withdraw. We've got the potential political power to have our own nation right here. And that's the thinking of Texas kind of people. You know, we're bigger, we're better, we're remote, we're going to do it our way. And don't tell us we can't do anything. And Jesus looks at these disciples and says, just let me just get this off my chest here. You know, without me, you can do nothing. Do you think Peter kind of started flexing the pecs a little bit? Say, so, hey, I, I can fish without you. I can fight without you. There's a lot of things I can do without you. You think maybe you thought about that? Probably not John. But Peter, of all guys, Peter kind of had that Texas thinking, didn't he? Let's keep reading. How did y'all get me off on that? That's what I want to know. Number, verse number six, if you do not remain in me and you're like a branch is thrown away, it's withers, such branch is picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. Boy, there's a, there's a warning, isn't it? 
And then he goes on in verse number seven. He says, but if you abide, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And there we get off track so often, don't we? Wish we had more time to talk about that. God's not saying that anything you want, you just ask me. You want a new Ferrari? Ask and I'll give it to you. Understand the context. Look before and after. And we see it's when it's in your name. When we're in sync with the Spirit's work in us, we think more like our Savior. We behave more like our, our Savior. We ask more in line with our Savior. And more, more often than not, it's going to be in accordance with his will. He says, man, this is, this is how things go well. When we're in sync, when we're together, look in verse 8. This too is my Father's, this is to my Father's glory. There's the ultimate success that you what? That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You say, why are so many Christians living a defeated, half-hearted life? I mean, most of you, if I had you list these incredibly victorious Christians that you sense, wow, man, they are so on fire for the Lord. Incredible what God's doing in them and the kingdom and the fruit that they're producing. I just like to be around them. They lift my spirits. They excite me. They energize me. Why? I mean, we couldn't even come up with a list of a dozen of those. Not even six. It's like God has a purpose for us. And I, I have to go back and just ask the question, is it that a lot of people in our churches just aren't connected. And I know people don't like to hear that, but it's something we've got to ask. Is it, and I suspect this is a big part of it, we've become so, more, so much acclimated in terms of our thinking to doing more for him that we've forgotten the most important thing is to be in him. There I think we've hit on something. More about programming and doing, more about business and busyness and activity. But man, if we look at our lives today and our morals and values that we say we believe in, are, they don't equate to what we're living, there's an issue. When we look at our lives today and our lives really aren't a reflection at Longview High School campus or Pine Tree or Hallsville or Homeschool Consortium or wherever it may be, if our lives don't reflect the Lord Jesus Christ, there's an issue. I mean, when we think about the way that we live, if we're, if we're not really synced up with him in terms of deep, devoted prayer, and we're really into that mentality, Jesus just can't really stay, then there's an issue. But here's the great thing about these eight verses. I hope you brought something to write with today. I just want to toss out to you three elements that I think are going to help us. They're a measuring stick. They're a rain gauge, spiritually, of kind of where we are. So today, you're going to be able to walk out these doors in about 24 minutes, if I'll get it in high gear here. And you're going to be able to say, hey, I was three for three, and I'm excited about that biblically. Not where I want to be, but man, the foundation seems to be there in my faith walk, in my journey, in my walk with Christ, in my covenant of faith with him. It's there. Or maybe you walk out there and you say, hey, man, two of those, man, solid up. But, man, one of them, man, I'm really off the mark. Or maybe you're here today and you say, hey, 0 for 3. 0 for 3. Let's jot them down quickly. I think they'll help you. Number one, here's the first characteristic that Jesus makes a big deal. You say, how can you say big deal? Well, how about 33? 
33 times in our New Testament, uh, excuse me, 33 times in the Gospels alone, Jesus talks about abiding or remaining in him. 25 of those occur in the book of John. Now, if your parents told you something 33 times, students, would you kind of get the picture that that's a big thing? Okay? Clean your room 33 times. Well, that wouldn't matter of anything, would it? But anyway, that's, that's the point is, hey, it should matter. And so you have this picture that is so very important. And look at the elements or the characteristics that Jesus says will be present if you're connected. Number one, jot it down, continual cleansing. Whether we like it or not, there's going to be something naturally going on when we're really abiding in Christ, when we're really remaining in him, there will be what we call a natural pruning or a natural cleansing, if you will. Go back to verses 1 and 2. I'm the vine. Now, we, we've got, surely we've got the picture, don't we? I shouldn't make any assumption. I got it. God, vine dresser. Master gardener, hat, gloves. Uh, that's the picture that Jesus says. In fact, he has to spell it out for us. He says, the father, my father, your spiritual father, our holy God, he is. He said, well, we've got the Trinity. Well, Jesus describes himself as what? The vine. He says, I'm the one that's in the ground. I'm the one that's rooted. I'm the stalk coming up out of the ground. I'm the vine. And we got the picture. Jesus says, and you know what you are? You're the branches. And those branches connect back to me. And so we have this agrarian, this agricultural illustration. By the way, that's in at least four of our Old Testament books. Psalm, Hosea, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all have the same agrarian picture. All four of those Old Testament books bring the same living example to us. Now, the picture here, two key verbs out of that first century Greek. The first one is this cutting off or cutting away. Do you see in verse 2? We have that picture. Now, that's very hard for us to interpret. Let me explain why. Uh, some of you may have heard one of the scholars by the name of Dwight Pentecost. He probably leads this parade, but there, there's a lot of great scholars that suggest that this verb, and, and it's accurate, at a first century could mean one of two things. It could mean to cut, literally, saw, snip, whatever, and then haul that appendage, haul that branch, if you will, away, get it completely away from the vine. But that verb is also used not so much for a physical cutting, but for a lifting. In other words, down at the bottom of that vine, maybe someone's trampled on it, maybe it has fallen out of the eye shot or sunshot of the bright sun rays, maybe it's slightly wilted, and a gardener at times may reach down there, and the cutting is really not so much a physical cutting, but it's a lifting. And to be honest with you, scholarship is probably about 60-40, saying, hey, this means what it says. But the verb is used both ways. Pentecost would be in that 40% category, say, hey, this is not speaking that he's going to get rid of you. That's dealt with down here in verse 7 uh, or verse 6, the eternal judgment. You're not in Christ. You're going to be thrown away and burned and you know, eternal damnation and all that. I mean, that's a whole different picture down there. But Pentecost says here, it's, this is literally rendered a lifting. So whichever way you want to take that, that verb coupled with this word pruning, do you see it right here in, in, in the end of verse number two, uh, that does bear fruit, he prunes. 
Now that word prunes literally means to clean. To, to, to clean. To prune, to clean away. And we know the vine dresser at times will do a pinching. They'll just come in and take their hand. Maybe something's really growing a little bit too fast or it's getting out of bounds. And so they'll just come and they'll just take their thumb and they'll just pinch the end of it off. Just a pinching. Kind of gets the plant's attention, if you will. It kind of redirects it, if you will. It's, it's not really a major cutting. It's just a, it's just a pinch. God does that to us in our lives at times. He'll do something when we need to slow down or refocus. He'll do a pinching in our lives, trial in our family or a friend's life or something in our career or something happens with your kids or uh, some, some realm to make us slow down. He'll just do a pinching. We know that the vine dresser, if you will, our, our God at times literally cuts certain things away. Certain things get redirected. Godly student begins to cinch you up with some friends that are taking him the wrong direction. And somehow God reaches into that person's life, that student's life, and he reorchestrates the whole thing. It's like, hey, you are going in the wrong direction. And so guess what? I am going to cut that away from your life. That has no place in your life. And so you thought that the motorcycle accident was an accident. And really what God was doing was he was cutting away certain portions of activity in your life that you really never expected it would happen in that way. Our God cuts certain things away from us and those many times are much more than just a pinching. That happens many times in a relationship. Happens sometimes in ministry. God says, hey, you're trying to do something good, but I have something better. You're not in the best category. I'm cutting that away. You're not doing that anymore. You're going in this direction. You're completely misguided. New direction of cutting away. And we know also the vine dresser just does some thinning. It's like here's six clusters of grapes. I'm going to pull these two in order for these four clusters to be even stronger. We know many times he does that in our prioritization. He reprioritizes certain things in our life. He says, hey, this needs to be thinned out. You can't focus on eight things. And so right now, I want you focused on this or these two things. It's like, but God, I, I love all eight of the things that I'm doing. I understand you love all eight, but here's what I desire for you to focus on. I just want to encourage you, man, when God does that in our lives, don't, don't resist him. Don't get angry with God. Even when you don't understand the taking away, the pinching, or the resisting, don't second guess him. Even when it hurts and you don't understand your God, let me just encourage you today. Hey, praise him despite that. Okay, you got it, number one? Hang in here with me. This sense of a constancy in our lives that God is doing if we are abiding in him it's just going to naturally unfold in a lot of different ways but there's going to be this cleansing that's going to be going on now it would worry me it would concern me greatly if I were here today and someone was teaching this text and I, I really thought, I mean, I hadn't checked out, but I was really thinking about my life, really focused, really came in here with a heart to say, God, I, when I leave, I just want to be a little bit closer than when I came in. And there's, a few, and there's a few of you that seem to have bought in. I'm excited about that. 
And so if I were in that place, and God's already done this over the last two weeks in my life, I'm working through the same text you are. And I couldn't go back and say, wow. I just wonder when this happened in my life, if that wasn't so much a casual accident or just a set of circumstances, but if God were not really at work there. If you don't have any of those kind of moments, you've got to start asking the question, am I really in Christ and he and me? Number two, second characteristic. I want you to see it. Look in verse four. There's, there becomes an apparent daily dependence. Now that's important, both these. A daily dependence. If you're really in the Lord Jesus and you're really in a, a vital relationship with him, I mean, sustenance where he's feeding you on a daily basis and you're connected with him and and that's that cycle of fellowship that you're with the Lord Jesus, there's going to be a growing understanding in you that you can't do this thing alone. In fact, you can really do nothing. Instead of bowing up, when the Lord Jesus says, you can't do anything without me, you, you, if you're really in him, you're saying, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct, Lord. Daily devotion. In fact, look at it in the text. Jesus said in verse 4, remain in me. Also, I remain in you. No, 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 no branch, none of them can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Look in verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, here it is again, you can do nunca, nothing. Absolute nothing. Jesus' words are so powerful. Do you see what Jesus is saying? No matter how strong you are, Branch, you're not going to produce any spiritual fruit without me. No matter how impressive as a branch you may be, you may come flittering in here, you may walk into the worship center and you catch everyone's attention and you're such an impressive branch. But let me tell you something, without me, you will not produce anything. No matter how attractive you are, how straight a branch you are, how fruitful you've been in the past, without me, you are dead wood, period. But along with that, we could say the reciprocal, couldn't we? We could say, if you're a branch here today and the world calls you insignificant, like, ah, oh, they're like, really, not, I don't even, who are they? Insignificant branch. Or you feel like, hey, I'm not a very impressive branch. I'm unimpressive. Let me tell you something. If you are connected to the vine, you may produce incredible fruit. You may be here today and you say, man, I'm, just, man, I'm one of the weaker branches. Let me tell you something. If you're connected to the vine, you can produce incredible fruit. So Jesus is laying down this incredible mandate to us every single day. Really, for by the minute and the hour and the day and the week and the month, you need what I'm offering you and pouring into your life. It, it's, it's being connected. And when you're connected, you will produce Fruit, and again, I, I've, I've read groups of people for 37, 38 years now. I can just see some of you, like right now, you're like, 
dare me if you can, you know. I was just watching, man, I'd give anything if I could play those drums like Terrence and some of our drummers. I can play them, but I can't even keep a steady cadence. And I sure can't look as cool as Terrence, you know what I'm saying? Or some of these voices. But you know, the truth is, Jesus is not saying we can't do anything like we're not physically able to do anything. Terrence, man, I mean, man, he just got a gift, doesn't he? Now, the question is, where does that gift come from? But he can use that gift just out of his own physical strength. And some of these, some of these folks can honk these voices out of their own natural ability. And some of our choir this morning in the first service could just sing and really not be attached to the vine. And maybe Pastor Cook has preached so long and maybe he has a, maybe some, some level of gift, sense and set and Maybe he's just preaching, but he's not really connected to the vine. And my assertion to you is all those things are exactly correct. Would, would I think that we have, well, we have 48 small group leaders that are working this morning and two different sets of small groups? Uh, yes. And uh, are some of them teaching and they're not connected? Probably so. Well, how, how is that? Jesus just said you can't do anything. You do understand he's not saying you can't do anything in the sense that you, you can have no activity. He's saying this, you cannot do anything and what? Have lasting kingdom impact without me. Period. Period. There's no eternal significance. I mean, there's not anything you can do disconnected from the mind, the vine that really matters to God from a kingdom building perspective. He's saying, oh, you can do some things. You can do some small things. You can even do some few things. But let me tell you something. Your life will not count to Christ unless you're abiding with him. And every one of us today is abiding in something. Every one of us. Can I let you in on a very important spiritual principle that you will not forget when I talk to you about this? Most of the things I'm going to talk to you about... Before you get through a lunch today, you won't be able to recall most of the things. That's one of my favorite things. My wife gets mad when I do this. We go to lunch with somebody. Hey, Wyatt, man, if we're having lunch with Wyatt. Hey, Wyatt, tell me, tell me one thing from the sermon. Uh, uh, uh. One thing? I used to ask three things. One thing, Wyatt. Well, I was running the camera, man. Oh, so you weren't listening. No, I was trying to make you look skinnier, Pastor Cook. I got it. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you didn't hear anything, Wyatt. You just keep giving me that narrow, wide-angle light view. You know what I'm saying? Did you Photoshop some hair? Great, man. That's cool. How about a big gold cross and put Bishop Cook down at the bottom? You know what I'm saying? Maybe I can stomp around up here and make a big TV appearance or whatever it is. But, you know, people, you're not going to remember that, but you're going to remember this. Every one of you are abiding somewhere. Now listen to me, here's the principle. And where you are connected and abiding, that will be known. Did you get the principle? You are abiding somewhere. You're getting your strength from somewhere. Our recreation leaders for our students, when you're serving, you're getting that strength from somewhere, maybe from yourself, maybe from the gym workout in the morning, but you're getting it from somewhere. And what I want you to understand is you gotta ask yourself as you're serving and you're doing, are you connected? That's very important. Is this daily dependence? Are you receiving and abiding, remaining 
through him to be energized by whatever he's called you to do. And again, you can tell where someone's abiding. Last year, I was walking in Jefferson, Texas, and uh, walking down the street, getting some restaurants lined up, trying to, I went in three or four different restaurants to take about 45, 50 senior adults on a trip up there last February. And we were going to go up there, and uh, anyway, I was walking down, I mean, not many people walk around in February in Jefferson. Like 11, 11 o'clock in the morning, couples coming toward me, it became very apparent as I looked at them and they looked at me that they knew me and I had no idea who they were. As I got closer, it became more obvious they wanted to talk to me. I did not really want to talk to them because I did not know who that was. As they got closer, this guy, his name was Chris, and uh, he engaged, he said, hey, Michael Cook, good to see you. And I said, man, how are y'all doing? And I, I was going to just fake my way through it. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't introduce his wife. Her name was Brenda. But anyway, that, they, they were talking to me there on the street. And, and it was obvious that they knew me and we had some past connection. And just, I mean, within 30 or 40 seconds, Chris stopped and he said, you don't remember us, do you? I said, no, I don't remember you. I'm sorry. Well, our daughter was like three years older than your daughter. And Rick Ship introduced us at tryouts over in Hallsville for club volleyball. And in a way, uh, you know, when it started adding up, I remembered them. But the reason that I did not recognize them, not only had a lot of years gone by, but 216 pounds had gone by. Chris and Brenda together had lost 216 pounds. Both of them had lost 100 pounds or more. Now, if you don't think people will change a little bit when they lose 100 pounds and like 12 years later, <laughs> hey, I don't have no shame in not knowing them. And as they talked to me, I got to confess to you, as I was talking to them, dude, I wasn't even listening to what they were saying. I was just looking at this face, man. It was like, I, mean, I mean, man, I was just, wow. These people don't even look the same. As I got my truck and was headed back, had some phone calls and stuff, it just kind of, I was kind of processing. Amber, we knew some people when our daughter was in club ball, they were in softball and different things, and there were two families that you really wanted either at the tournament you were in or on your daughter's team. One of them were the Wilsons, Becky will remember. I don't remember if she remember Chris and Brenda or not, but the Wilsons, he was a big regional manager for Bluebell. Are you getting that? You want those kind of people on your kids' teams, your sports teams. Snacks are off the chain. You know what I'm saying? Chris and Brenda work for Krispy Kreme. Not the manufacturing side, the distribution side. They had all of these accounts in these convenience stores. They would get fresh Krispy Kremes into all these convenience stores in East Texas, Southern Arkansas, and one quadrant of Louisiana. And so their whole lives were Krispy Kreme. I mean, in their house, Krispy Kreme in the morning, Christmas Kreme, I mean, I mean a snack in the afternoon, dessert at night. Hey, we, hey, we got seven more Krispy Kremes left. Now I'm telling you, that's the closest place to heaven you could ever be right there. Krispy Kreme coming off the rack. You know what I'm saying? But over the years, they began to look like that. And what I want you to understand is this is a very important principle. Don't ever forget it. Where you abide 
because of your actions in your life, that will begin to emit. If you go to the beach with your family, two days out in the sun, when you come back, you don't have to tell anybody, hey, we've been at the beach. They tell you, oh, you've been at the beach. I mean, if you're a struggling student and all of a sudden you start abiding and remaining in extra sessions, tutorials, and you start living at the library, hey, you're abiding in a whole new place. That's going to start to become very evident to everybody around you. Hey, I I want you to understand that uh, if you start going to the gym and working out dramatically with a huge life change, you start living at the gym. Let me tell you something. In just a few weeks and a few months, that's going to start transmitting. Have you got the principle? It will be evident where you're abiding. And you don't have anything to say about it. When you are abiding with the Lord, it will not be a secret to people around you. So a few moments ago when you passed judgment on your pastor, you said, who are you to judge? Hey, the spiritual principle here when Jesus said, you remain in me, I remain in you. When you do, great things are going to happen. There's going to be fruit like you've never seen before. Our Lord and Savior is right on target. It'll be evident. You can tell when one of our students is on fire for the Lord. You, you can see that in their lives. You see it in their dating life. You see that in, in the way they handle worship. I mean, you see it with notes. You see it with their sharing their faith. You see it with their leadership. You see it with their life. You can tell when a couple are really in their marriage at the center point with the Lord Jesus and they're abiding with him. The marriage looks different. No, no mystery about it. It's different because they're connected to the vine. Well, did you get those first two? This continual cleansing, did you get that? And then this daily dependence. Walk out of that daily dependence with this statement. Jot it down. This is very important. Here's how you will manifest yourself if you're really connected. I am absolutely insufficient and completely confident. Have you got that part? I am anchored in the Lord Jesus. He's my vine. And because of that, I know without hit that dependence, I mean, without that, I am absolutely insufficient. And, but being connected, I am confident. I am completely confident in him. Jot down in your notes, 2 Corinthians, go back and look at it later, 3, 5. Paul, beautiful, says, hey, 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 our sufficiency is not in ourselves, but the confidence we have is because of the work that he does through us. I don't know how we can get a better picture of the vine than what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Last thing, jot it down. There's a third thing, the spiritual success. I don't want to leave you without this very important piece. Go down to verse number 6, 7, and 8. I mentioned the warning just a moment ago, and that's, that's how it starts out. People ask me all the time, Pastor Cook, do you think that, that God wants me to be happy and successful? And if you ask me that question, I'm going to answer it the same way every time. I'm going to say, oh, you want to know if God wants you to be happy? You want to know if God wants you to be successful? I'm always going to answer this way. That depends. Well, what does it depend on, Pastor Cook? I'll tell you what it depends on. It depends on what it takes to make you happy and how you define success. You do understand that. 
What does it take to make you happy? And how are you going to define success? Is it going to be on God's terms? Then yes, the answer is yes. Certainly he's created you with a purpose. The Bible tells us very clearly that he desires to give you what? What your heartbeat yearns for. He's going to place you where he's gifted you. He's going to place you not in the good areas, but the best area. He desires fruit. He desires you to be fruitful. Absolutely. But in verse 6, we have this incredible warning. This warning of eternal punishment. Go back and look at it. If you do not refrain in me, uh, or if you do not abide or remain in me, you'll be like a branch thrown away, withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. Now notice that we don't see that word cut or cut away that we saw up there. That, that signifies to us we have a different Greek term there in terms of a verb. The subject's different. There are those that are going to be disconnected. Oh, they're going to be in the vineyard. We ate in the vineyard this weekend. Didn't have any wine, though. But we, I mean, we ate there. There were vines everywhere, dormant vines. I mean, here, these are, these are going to be completely rid and completely moved. And look at the punishment, completely burned. But that's not what I want you to see. Look at what Jesus brings in terms of a word of encouragement. Look in verse 7 and 8. He says uh, in verse 7, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Whatever you wish, and again, according to the Lord's will is what he's saying, it will be done for you. Look in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you, what? Bear much fruit. Much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Your prayers will start to be in harmony with God himself. His character will be growing in you. Now, if it was just spiritual success, uh, that's one thing. We put that aside. If it's success of a child, we'd say, yeah, we want his test scores to be this. We want him to grow up and be responsible. We want her to be a, a contributing member of society. We want her to make good decisions. We want her to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We got it. We could probably define success for your child. Or a businessman, that, that's, that's pretty easy to define. Profitability, close the deal, whatever it may be. An athlete, pretty easy to find. Success, win, win the race, win the game. Train to win, have the purpose to win. Be a great athlete, be a great human being, we got it. But if there is a God, and our Bible says there is one, and if that God did create you and me and everything, and the Bible says that he did, and if... God placed in each one of us and had a desire in each one of us for a clear purpose of accomplishing what he laid out for our lives ahead of time, and the Bible says that he has. And if he really does intimately know us and we know him, he knows our name and we know our shepherd, the sheep, that whole covenant, and the Bible says that we do, then here we have laid out for us what true spiritual success linked to our Lord is all about. It is what? Kingdom fruit. But it doesn't start to stop there. Did you see it in verse 8? Kingdom fruit for the glory of God. Just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. But before I do, I want you to look at me just for a moment. The great attack that many followers of Christ fall into is the attack of Satan's guilt. The guilt that Satan puts in your life and on top of you to try to crush you 
from spiritual success. There's not a single person in this room that has not failed at something in their lives, spiritually and otherwise. Every one of us have had those moments and we'll have more of those moments. But do you understand that when you are connected and synced to the vine, you no longer have to worry about the fruit taking place. That's going to happen naturally through you because of what the Lord Jesus is infilling through that vine into the branch, into your life. He will take care of the harvest of that fruit. You don't have to worry about the rain. You don't have to worry about too much wind tearing you away. The vine will take care of the branch. Everything that's needed, every season of life, and where we so often misstep, is we allow that voice in our lives, the prince of this world, to tell us, you're not a worthy branch any longer. You've already given your virginity away. You have no standing in kingdom work anymore. You've already walked through two marriages. No one's going to listen to you any longer. What is this for you? Church number five, six, seven. You no longer are worthy to produce the fruit. And will you hear the pastor today? Nothing could be further from the truth. When we're connected, you remember us talking about this earlier? Even if you don't feel very attractive, when you're connected... You've got the very great potential to see incredible fruit from your life. Every one of us has characters in our family. Every one of us has some character. In my family, not on my wife's side, but on my side, Uncle Vernon was the character of all characters. Lord took him home about 11, 12 years ago. World War veteran, hid out in the vineyards of Italy from the Nazis. I mean, he, he has all kinds of incredible stories. Grew up and lived in Compton, California. Had me out one summer. Proudest two things that he had in his backyard, grapefruit tree and lemon tree. Remember one Christmas, he came back to Texas. I remember sitting in the living room. I loved Uncle Vernon's stories. He was telling my dad about that lemon tree that I got to see with my own eyes. He said, you know, Morris, he said, I, I went out there one day to my prize lemon tree. He said, it's, it's, it has to be about 20, 25 years old. And he said, one of the big limbs on that thing was bent down. And he said, you could see it had splintered off up there. It was all gnarly. And man, I was tuned in to every word he said. He said, so I, I did the, on, the only thing that an old Oklahoma boy should do. I went over, he said, that, that big old limb had four huge lemons on it. He said, I pulled them off and he said, I was going to get my saw. But he said, of all things, I forgot, got distracted. And Elsie got him going on something else. And he said, several weeks went by and he said, he went back out there and he saw that limb. He said, of all things on it, there were two brand new lemons that were growing on that old bent down gnarly limb. And he went on to convey that that limb, even though it looked dysfunctional, the weather and the seasons had beaten and battered it, that he didn't think it had any sustenance and strength at all. He said there was something going on inside that limb that became the greatest producer 
of the lemons of any limb, any limb, any branch on that tree. And that's why when I go to a conference, or I go and I sit at one of our women's ministry meetings, say, Pastor, we need to talk to you about these things. Or I hear someone's testimony, and it's out of their brokenness that God so moves my heart to see what he's done through them through the gnarly and broken moments of their lives. And are you able to understand that that always happens every single time when we remain tied in and connected as a branch of kingdom work to the vine of our Lord Jesus Christ? My prayer for you is that, man, you're the real deal. You won't have to tell me you're the real deal. Where you abide will always be manifest. What's important in your life will become known to us all. My prayer is that God would bring up incredibly, incredibly fruitful disciples, not for Oakland Heights, not for Southern Baptist work, but for the glory of our God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for these moments that we've had in your word. Thank you as we walk down these next several weeks just determining, are we real? I mean, if we're really going to be real in our faith and we have a real relationship with you, Father, that connectivity is where it has to all start. Father, I pray for those in our church that are so distracted today, they're so covered up with doing things for you that they have lost their clear focus of how important it is to be in you. That ongoing, incredible sustenance, strength-filled life of dependency that only you can bring. Father, thank you for your brutally honest words. When you share over and over, abide in me, remain in me, abide in me, abide in me, over and over, and to a group of men that followed you for a little over three years. Father, it becomes very obvious to us that that is so very important to you. Father, I pray that in our faith, we would no longer be those that would say, hey, I really, really can't stay. But instead, I, Lord, I want to be at your feet. I just didn't want that service to end. I didn't want my quiet time to end. I didn't want my prayer time to end. Because God, it's through those moments that you taught me. You've trained me. You've spoken to me. You allowed me to reflect on the work that you've been doing in my heart, in my life. And Father, I pray that that voice that tells us we'll never be worthy again. We're not good enough. We're not valuable to the Lord any longer. To identify that kind of voice for one coming from this world, one that he himself will be tossed into a lake of fire, one that our Lord has come to overcome. Not only did he overcome death, but he overcame Satan in that moment as he came out of that tomb through the very resurrection, our victorious Lord and Savior. Father, we love you, we worship you, and these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.